0: It's so good to have you here, and welcome back, and to those of you that are newcomers at Abundant Life, we're so glad you're with us, and it's an honor to have you here. Listen, I am so excited today to preach this message. Like I told the first service, my toes are curling. I'm so excited about this message today as we look forward to what God has yet to do through us. What he's doing now is amazing, but what he has yet to do is even more amazing, so we're going to talk and start a series today, a three week series on taking ground. Can you say that with me? Taking ground. Come on, everybody. Taking ground. God has called us to take ground. And how many of you know that you take ground one step at a time? How many of you know that? Come on, are you here second service? That you and I are called to take ground and it happens one step at a time. And so today on Taking Ground, I want to talk to you about vision. Can you say that with me? Vision. Let's begin by using the uh, football as an analogy, if you would. And I'd like you to imagine this. There's a picture going up on the screen of a football on a field. And you see the football just sitting in the grass, and it's just there. There's no movement. There's no forward progress. It's just stationary. stationary. If you go to the next picture, you'll take a look at this, and you just simply pay attention to how different it makes you feel when a goal post appears, doesn't it? Doesn't it? The first pick without a goal, there's, there's nothing to aim for. You can pick up the ball, you could toss it in the air, you can turn any direction, play catch with it. It really doesn't matter which way you're facing. There is no destination in mind. But the second picture, when you add the goal post, you have a direction now, you have a purpose to where you're going, that the direction in which you're heading is toward that goal post. So today, as we talk about taking ground in vision, we're going to need this football. Nice throw. You and I paid catch last night. We did well together, all right. Now, you and I are called to take ground. Listen, one of three things happens in a football game when the ball is in your hands. One of three things if you're taking notes. The first thing is you could lose ground, right? you could actually lose ground with the football inside of your hands and you could go backwards farther from the goal line, right? Second, you could just maintain ground. You could just stay right where you're at, which ultimately means that you're losing ground because there's no forward motion to what you're doing. And that means eventually you're gonna lose what you had. So if you're not gaining ground, you get four tries and that basically means you're losing. Maintaining means losing. The third option is you're taking ground, taking ground. Can everybody say that with me? Taking ground. You're gaining it. The same is true with the vision that God has placed in your life and in mine and in the life of this church. You're either losing ground, maintaining ground, or you're taking ground. Is there anybody here today who wants to take ground for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ? Come on. Amen. That we are here and we're called to take ground not only in the corporate life of the church, but also individually in what God is showing us to do. So, see, the life that God has given you is going somewhere. Do you know where it's going? I mean, and if you don't, you got to look at it and say, hey, we need to look at this. If you don't have a vision, the life that you have is just going to kind of go anywhere because you have no sense of direction. You don't know where the goal line is and so Scripture helps us with this in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. It says, "Where there is no vision, the people, what? The people perish. Where there is no vision, another version says, "Where there is no vision, people cast off restraint." That is heavy duty. That is heavy as you look into that exactly what that means, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Think about it. Without vision, you have no plan, you have no goal, you have no vision, thus you have no restraint. We live in a world full of people that don't have restraint. Are you with me? Many people that are running aimlessly after things because they don't have a goal line in their life of what they're going after. So people move into instant gratification, you know, what appeases me now, this is what I want to do, and I want it, so I should have it, so I'm going to do it. You could be a teenager today, and you wonder what life is all about, but the moment you establish the goal line and the goalpost in your life, you begin to figure out your life has purpose. That goes for any age inside of this room or in the sound of my voice online that you understand that. Without vision, you just head off into a lot of different directions. Without vision, you kind of just do your own thing rather than moving your life forward. God created our lives with endless resources and possibilities. If you believe that, say yes. That is his word. It starts with having a vision, though, in agreement with God's plan for you. How many of you got that? It starts with you and I having a vision in agreement with God's plan for you. 3 John 1, 2 says, I would that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul is prospering. That we bring our lives under the submission of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is his word amongst the many that he's written over us. And so today, what I want us to look at is this story of the people of Israel who were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And there's, a, there's a, so much of the Old Testament is dedicated to the children of Israel that went through this process and were in Egypt, and then we're going to talk about the next step. But I want to let you know there was a lot of generations. 400 years is a lot of generations, isn't it? 400, genera- 400 years is a lot of generations of people that went through, and, and the word tells us what happens. But I want you to know this. That God has a better place for you, and this is, as you understand scripture, Egypt is the land of not enough. Egypt is the land of not enough. When you look at scripture, it's the place of not enough. Been there 400 years. In Egypt, life is dictated to you. In Egypt, you are in bondage. In Egypt, you are under their slavery. Now, it's amazing because many people, and maybe even in this room with the sound of my voice, don't know anything but Egypt in their life because it's what they grew up in. It is all they've ever known. Some grew up in it. Some ended up there. But one thing is for sure, it's not God's plan for you and I to stay in Egypt. I said it's not God's plan for you to stay in Egypt. Amen? Amen? It's never God's plan that you would stay in bondage to sin and to the addictions of your heart. It's never that way. Not with God. He's got a better plan. And in Exodus 3, 16 and 17, he spoke to a man named Moses. We know him well. He said, Moses, I'm getting ready to give you a vision so that you can give to my people because there's something better that is yet to come. Go and gather the elders of Israel together, he said, and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, and I want you to see, I want you to look in this, church. I want you to see what the Lord is saying. He said, I have observed you. If you were in Egypt in this room or the sound of my voice today, God is observing you. He sees right where you're at. He hasn't forgot about you. You may have forgotten about him. But he says, listen, I see you. I'm looking at you right now. My eyes have been on you, and I promise you. I promise this is powerful. I promise God says, I promise you, I promise you that I will bring you out of affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites. What's he doing right there? God's giving them vision. What's he doing right there, church? Come on, don't miss it. We read this passage so many times. God is giving his people vision. He's telling them to look forward and look ahead to what he has for them on the horizon. God's imparting vision. He's saying, I promise you. Then he's following up with a a, a word of hope, a picture. I will bring you up out of this land of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites that's flowing with milk and honey, which means a land where there is more than enough. A land where you have all you need and more. God's putting a vision on their heart. He's given a vision to Moses to be passed on to the people. And let me tell you something. you, You can't many times see what God has for you because it's where we're at. You can't take ground, though, without a vision from God. You can't take ground without a vision. You can't get out of Egypt without a vision in your life to get out. God knew that he needed to paint a picture for them of a better life for them and their children and their children's children. So God makes them a promise of a better place. He says, I'm making you a promise. There's a, there's a better place that's coming. I have something greater for you that is, that is ahead, and so I want you to get ready. And he paints it. he said, you know, if you could just kind of go back and you put yourself in their shoes as hard as it may be, but you go back in and you imagine with me as they start talking to one another, no more slavery. No more slavery. No, no more slavery. No, no more. No, 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 no more slavery. No more slavery. It's stirred within them. And they're like, let's go. And Moses is like, are you ready? And, and yeah, yeah, are you ready to go? He's talking to the children of Israel. Where are you going to go? We want to go to the land of greater possibility. And where that starts is with a vision every time. Without a vision, those people would have perished in the wilderness. And let me tell you, 400 years, many of them perished. Many of them did perish. There are people perishing Right now, as you and I left our homes today, today and we drove out of our neighborhoods, that there are people right next door, 20, 30, 40, 50 feet away that are going to hell. There are people that you and I passed coming here today that are headed for a Christless eternity if they don't know Jesus. But there are people that are perishing so very close to us that, that that are in our lives. Whether it's a neighbor, whether it is a friend, a coworker, whether it is your spouse, whatever, maybe your children. So listen today, as your pastor, my heart is stirred to say we are. We have been given a vision. We have been given a vision uh, from God as we plant abundant life, Clearbrook. As you heard Pastor Ben just talk about, that there are people perishing in the Clearbrook and Stevenson area. So why are we doing this? There are people in slavery to sin. There are people in slavery to bondage. And so the gospel message of Jesus Christ is absolutely clear that we are to go and make disciples. Amen? So there's no question about, oh, well, well, why should we go? No, the why is answered inside of Scripture that is there, that people are perishing. And, and we know that there are a lot of amazing churches in that area already doing a great work. We're not coming to say, hey, we're here to do it better than you. No, no, no. It's us just taking our place because God has commanded us to do so. It's us taking a step forward and moving forward and gaining the ground and walking into the territory that he said that we need to go towards. So the gospel message is absolutely clear. And that we know that there are hurting families. We've talked to the principal there that we know that there are hurting families and that we know that there are hurting kids that are inside of that school and many of them impoverished that needs, that needs food. But more importantly than anything else, they need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen so that they would know him. God has called us to to plant this church and and to to add another room in the house, if you will, that we're both Abundant Life Church as we do the work together, as we go forward. And the dream is starting to come into sight. And, And it's that vision that I stand before you today that I'm absolutely excited because the, the Lord has stirred the hearts of our staff and stirred the hearts of our board to say, you know what, we're going to help people find a better place than what they're living in right now. There is a, there's a better way for them. There, there's a better way than Egypt. It's through vision that, that hope starts rising up within the people of Israel. Let, let the God-sized dream start rising up within you. Do you know why God said, I promise you? Because the only reason people settle in the land of Egypt is they lose hope of a better place. Nobody wants to stay there. But so many have settled there. Most people stay there because they've lost their hope. They have nothing else to go for, they don't even have a goalpost in their life. And so, you know, and they think, hey, all hope is gone, which is why God comes along and says, I promise you. We sang about the promises of God today. Do you believe the promises of God? That he said, I promise you, I promise you. He's starting to put hope in them. There's a vision. Start thinking about it. Start believing for it. Start moving in that direction. We can say all day long, God, I believe your word. I believe it. But are you moving in the direction of God's word today to do his will? Or are you just going to pray for it and expect it to show up? God never works that way. The people of God have got to be mobilized in these days to get up and move the ball forward. And move the kingdom of God forward. There's a lot on God and there's a lot on mankind throughout the word. You cannot separate the two. And so many people are hoping that their lives just get out of Egypt when you have to take the steps to move your life forward to do so. Listen, you can't expect the turtle to have the same vision as the giraffe. Whoa, snap. The turtles at ground level, looking at the grass and looking at the weeds, we're never gonna get through this. Oh, why would we do this when you gotta get the perspective of the giraffe? The body of Christ has got to get the perspective of a giraffe to raise their head up. God's giving you a neck for a reason. I pray God just mm, stretches your neck out. You come out of your turtle, slow thinking, and you start moving forward with giraffe-type vision. You see above the fray. You see above the tree. You. See above the weeds, and you see what God has for you. Come on, quit that turtle thinking, church. Start getting your eyes above the fray for what God's called you to. Oh, we're in deep weeds. This is never going to work out. Come on, we got giraffe vision. God's given us that to look above, beyond, forward, to see beyond what other people may just see is just grass quarterback's eyes you ever see them many times I mean they're good quarterback you'll see it man you'll see it on TV their eyes are constantly moving why they're looking for the person they're about ready to hit the receiver constantly looking oh that option's out That boom you got to lift your eyes above the fray you got to lift your eyes above what you're seeing and what you're looking at. That your condition, my condition, my condition, my condition. Scripture is full of people, men and women of God, who took ground in their life through the vision that God gave them. The Bible said, hey, I want you to advance. God says, I want you to advance. He wants to move us forward. That God has a vision for your life, and it's the best way to advance your life. And it begins by reading the word of the Lord. Because you realize that his word has everything to do with his will. And if you can get that planted within your heart, you're going to come out of the the turtle thinking. You're going to come into giraffe sight. You're going to begin to look above the fray of what God is saying. You have to believe that you can. That even though self-doubt will come, you begin to look at all that's going on. More than all that, you look for God's vision. You must believe that you can take ground today. Next year, at this time, we will not be where we're at right now. Yes, there will be Abundant Life, Stephen City, but then there will be Abundant Life, Clearbrook. And then I don't want you to get locked there because we believe that other doors are beginning to start to open around us, that there will be more, more opportunity. This is what we've been praying for, so I want you as a church to understand, don't be surprised when it happens. Come on, don't pray for it and say, oh, well, I just hope. No, we're expecting it. We're expecting it. We're expecting it. See, you can't be who you're going to be in who you used to be at the same time. If both of those things are going on within you, no wonder why your life is being torn apart. You're tearing your own life up. There is a war, there is a war at waging within you when you say, Well, I'm just gonna be like this, but I want that life. Are you with me? You can't have both at the same time, sir, ma'am, a young person. You gotta be all in for the Lord. Now, this is the day where the church has to be all in. Don't give me the one foot on every side of the line or whatever it may be. But listen, next year we won't be just here. We'll be in other locations. That's why Joshua, the promise came to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. You look at this, and I'm going to share it with you because I love this verse. Keep this book of the law always on your what? Lips. He's saying, talk about my promises Talk about my goodness, talk about my plans, talk about my vision for your life. Keep it right on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written inside of it. It does not keep it on your lips so you'll behave yourself no, it says keep it on your lips, meditate on it so you will be prosperous and successful. God wanted Joshua to take new ground like he wants us to take new ground. He says the way that you do that and you want to be prosperous and you want to be successful is that the word of the Lord needs to be on your lips, in your heart, and you are proclaiming it and you are meditate on it day and night. Yeah. Amen? The next place he takes them is the wilderness. That's the second stage of the journey, the wilderness. So they're in Egypt. They leave Egypt. The bondage that's there, Moses leading them through Red Sea parts, amazing miracles that happen. That's the wilderness. And the wilderness is a place they had to go to get to Canaan. You could never get to your land of Canaan and promise without going through the wilderness. Hello, you, just, you and I don't get to cross over that and just hope that we're just going to bypass it. No, you and I are going to have to go through it. Yeah. Some of you in this room, you're going through the wilderness experience today. They've left the bondage of Egypt. They move into the land. The next stop, wilderness, and the wilderness is the land of just enough. The reason why is because every morning they got up, God provided them manna, right? Right? He wouldn't provide two or three days worth. He would only give them one day provision. Everybody shout, one day. One day. Say it again. One day. one day changes everything. Come on, one day in your life changes everything of where you're headed. Some of you are looking for, oh, well, what's the next provision two or three years down the road? God says, one day I can change all this. One day. He just wanted to give them enough to sustain them, and he wanted them to get to work. He he wanted them, in other words, go out, gather it. They tried to fill their tents full of the manna, didn't they? Oh, yeah, they tried to collect as much as they could so that they could sleep in the next day and not work. And God says, no, I want you to work. I want you to get up and use the intellect and the skills, your spirituality, and use your feet and use your hands to do what I have called you to do. Don't be sitting there. Get up. Use what I have given you right now. I will give you manna, but I don't want you sitting back and doing nothing. It was one day at a time, and it was enough. The toughest thing about the wilderness is, in some ways, it's actually harder than Egypt because there's a point where you don't qualify anymore for government subsidy. It's getting quiet. When you branch out and leave dependency... You head into a wilderness toward a better life. There's no promise of the next meal. You don't thrive in the wilderness. You survive there. Are you hearing me today? Because we are identifying with the stage of life. It hits us where we're out. Many live and have grown up and only know the wilderness. But I I want you to know that, God, I, I want you to understand this. Wilderness is not a location that God wants you to live in Forever. One of the most common mistakes people make in the wilderness is they allow their discontentment to cause them to get a bad attitude. So they allow their bad attitude to get in the way and to impede their progress of the goalpost. So all they do is murmur and complain like those did in the wilderness, and it impedes their progress forward. It impedes the forward progress of where God is taking you. you in, your, in your marriage, sir or ma'am, today, there may be, you're just murmuring and complaining. It's keeping you from the ultimate goal of oneness in the Lord because you just keep murmuring and complaining. You think you're headed towards that goal, but what it is, you've allowed that to impede your progress. In your life or in your home and in your workplace, you've allowed all of those things to come between you and God, and you're, you think that you're headed there, but you're really not. You're aimlessly like the ball just sitting on the field, going nowhere, tossing it to yourself. See, it's in those times that we allowed allowed our murmuring and our complaining, and that's the tendency in the wilderness. The tendency in the wilderness is I'm going to complain and I'm going to grumble about everything that I don't like. And let me tell you, if you're a murmur and you're a complainer, you're in a place of complacency today. No, hear me, because I'm just talking God's word. I'm not just saying what I want to say. This is God's word, because the Israelites started complaining. Murmur, complain, grumble. How many of you ever been to Disney, and you've been to Disney, and you've been on that ride? It's a small world after all. Come on, it's a few of you. Yeah, yeah. So that song originated with the Israelites. It's a small world after all. It's. Small, small world. Yeah, when you live in the wilderness, it's a small world. Well, it didn't originate with the Israelites, but I'm just kidding you. So They keep going round and round. Yeah, it's a small world. It's a small world. Yeah, well, yeah. 400 years, and many of them died there. Church, we could stay right here and just think about us and us only. How don't even know that. Oh, it's just about us, man. Are we doing an amazing job? Thank you. Oh, man. You know, without noticing a world that is perishing right next to us, right outside our door, people right in our homes, this is why we're compelled to go and plant and add another room onto the house so that we don't die here. No, no, no. You got to understand me. If we stay, we die. I've studied the church long enough to know. That there are life cycles in the church. And there comes a point when you are healthy enough, you have to say this it is time for us to reproduce and multiply. Yeah. Yeah. I've studied life cycles. Do I know it all? No, but I can tell you if you don't take the step to multiply and reproduce what God has called you to do, you die. No, you die. that's why we're compelled to go and plant another at another room see you get satisfied in the wilderness sometimes but the early church shows us the beauty of a spirit-filled church that reproduces god's life and planted other churches that multiplied well pastor i just want to let you know something today we're just fine in our group we have six wonderful people and we don't want any more we're fine we're fine, Pastor. No, we don't. We, we don't want our. We don't want our group to grow. I mean, why would we want our group? Blah, 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 blah. Listen, you can be just fine and disobedient. You think you're just fine. You're disobedient. Do you love me today, Church? I'm here to help somebody out today because they've settled. It's the wilderness areas of your life that you will get major pushback. Yeah, the enemy is there. He'll push you back. It's in the wilderness areas of your life that you will get pushback from people that are around you you think are headed in the same direction as you. If you don't believe me, look at Nehemiah. Oh, we're here to build the wall. Some of them got off the wall and said, "No, no, no! I'm going to murmur and complain about this, this, this. And, and, and..." And Nehemiah said, "No, no! I am not coming down to deal with your problems. You need to go deal with that before the Lord. You need to know that we're headed this way, and this is the way that we're going. And we're here to help build the kingdom of God with His help, and that's where we're going. So you're grumbling and complaining—that's to the Lord." It's in the wilderness that you will get pushback for your dreams. You go after your dream, you go after the promises of the Lord, I will tell you, you'll push back from people that say they're going in the same direction as you. You better know the vision and the dream that God's put upon your heart. There's nothing wrong with being discontent, but it's how you respond to it. See, being discontent can motivate you forward or can cause you to get the wrong attitude and you're stuck. That's what happened to the people of Israel. Why don't we just stay in Egypt? It's so much easier to stay in Egypt. Why? Because we know where our next meal is coming from. But in God, we are called to not lose confidence and faith and vision of taking ground for where you are going. If you stay there, you'll be like the children of Israel where that experience was only supposed to be 11 days and turned into 40 years because it's only 11-day journey from Egypt to Canaan. Joshua and Caleb come. They weren't turtle people. They had giraffe. They had the view looking above the fray. We're going to go spy out the land. They're all a part of These two guys had the spirit and the attitude of focused vision. God opened up the doors before them, and they went into the land of Canaan. My God, give us a church full of Joshua and Caleb's. We believe the doors are being opened to us to take the land in Clearbrook and Stevenson. Lots of people died in the wilderness, but the people with vision. No, I said the people with vision today. I said the people with vision kept moving to Canaan. Vision is that preferred future. It is a better future than what we have now. Everybody in this room wants your children and your children's children to have a better future. Amen? Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people, they're afraid to pray that prayer because all they've known is Egypt and all they've known is the wilderness. There's a better land. There's better territory. And this is is where he's at. You know, so I'm talking about the purposes of God. Can you see it? This is about your children, your children's children. This is what I'm talking. I'm speaking to your future today. This is about your family's future. So this is the time to persevere and be thankful, to work hard, to pray like crazy and maintain a vision and not allow the enemy to impede you from God's greater vision. Because, listen, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's God's word. But God says, through my son, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And the third stage is Canaan. Canaan is the promised land, and Canaan is the land of more than enough. Say it with me, more than enough. That is the land of Canaan. There is more than enough, and God wants Canaan for all of us. He wants that. I want to remind you as we launch into this visionary season for our future that there's a promised land. And God wants you to win the battles in the wilderness. And God wants you to keep moving forward and to take ground that he's promised you. God wants us to, to take new territory. We're on a mission at Abundant Life Church to take the ground that God's called us to take. By what? By the choices we make. By, by living according in agreement to his word over our lives and taking the precepts of God very seriously and that they would be on our lips and they would cause us to move forward. Why? Because there's so many people locked in the cycle of Egypt, locked in the cycle of the wilderness mindset that that is where they're going to stay forever. We are called to lead those that are enslaved in sin because many of us have been delivered and set free to lead them out. And we read God's word that we've been born to be an overcomer. So you know in God's word it says you know you're not from beneath, you're from above. Yeah. I, you're you're not the tail, you're the what? You're the head. Amen. I made you an overcomer. Right? Are you going to conquer? Yeah, because he's in us through Jesus Christ. First Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 10. You've heard this prayer maybe numerous times. Here's Jabez. He said this, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge. Now I want you to I want you to just stop real quick here, and I want you to understand that. This Jabez is moving into the promised land. He is on the journey. Many people don't even think about that when they're reading this passage. Jabez is on the journey. He's moving out of Egypt. He's moving out of the wilderness, and he is headed towards Canaan. That's where he is headed when he says this prayer. That's how powerful it is. New territory. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be on me, God. Keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. Look at that last line. And God got mad. What? What? No. No. This wasn't God saying, oh, who do you think you are asking for this? Who do you think you are? This, that wasn't God. His, his request and his answer back was, hey, and God granted his request, which means God loved that prayer. That Jake. You see, you said Jabez had a, had a vision of something great that God was giving him towards. And God says, listen, I love that prayer so much. I will answer that prayer right now. Wow, when we align our prayers with God's word, God says, I love that prayer. I love that prayer. I love that prayer. So what am I saying? What you get is what you see. Faith is a product of the senses. Faith cometh by. Faith cometh by. Hearing through the word of the Lord. Faith is a product of the senses. Can you see it? Can you hear him? The church of Jesus Christ must get a deeper, hear me, a deeper revelation of Jesus now. It's time to take ground towards getting a deeper revelation of Jesus in our personal times of prayer, in our corporate times together, that we are moving towards that. Let me tell you why. Because our Christian freedoms are being taken from us every single day in America, and we as the body of Christ better start taking ground. Quit just letting the ball sit on the field and hoping that we're going some way. We're not. The body of Christ has to pick up the ball. So many people are playing defense in Christianity. God, no, 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 we're on offense, church. We're on offense. And so we're sitting there, we're hoping somebody, no, 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 God says, I chose you to do this. I chose you to speak up when prayer gets removed from these locations. When America is allowed to take innocency of life. What? That should infuriate the body of Christ. It infuriates, it makes my blood boil. But the body of Christ many times sits there and just takes it. And we never speak up for the, for the God of creation of what he's spoken over us. We, we sit there and we just think something's going you know, Well, I hope they go. I hope they do. I No, no, you and me together. Faith is a product of your senses. What you get is what you see. See, we gather together, not alone. And what we do today matters for tomorrow.